From grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And I'm Katie. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Damn, yeah. See, that's way better than the chuckle I got last week. (laughs) Or the awkward silence. I still feel a little new with this whole thing, and I'm just trying to find the best response. I mean, I'm do you, after you do you know how many that. how many episodes has she been on? Um, it was before dozen. it was before quarantine. It goes quicker than you think. I suppose it's been a couple dozen at this point, huh? Yeah, because yeah. it's been. <laughs> you, I think your first episode was in January, wasn't it? I don't know. It was January or February, so we're what six yeah. months in? Because I I'm almost at. <laughs> I don't know. Sadly, happily, the th- probably closer to the three-year mark. Yeah, two, two year, two and a half. And you yeah. finally came up. with What was your response for his best homebrew? In your what was it today? I, well, yeah. And that there you go. That, <laughs> <laughs> you anyway, finally figured it out. And I like. I'm, I you know. Well, after last week, I'm surprised nobody was like, "Do you have your auto siphon?" Like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. All right. Uh, before we get too deep here, uh, the American Homebrewers Association does a lot to support homebrewing, and homebrewers now they support us during the AHA. We'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, so as well give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on there for a link, then by our homepage, and join today. I also want to give a sh- big shout-out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornsson, Devin Stinson, and Tyler Romanski. If you'd like to be as awesome as our patrons, head over to patreon.com slash studios and become a patron today. I meant to... to- to take note last week that our uh, black belt patron list has doubled. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, it has, it has definitely been, yeah. I mean, Andy, at least the one, you know, the, the, the ones we're listing, we used yeah. to only list two. Now we list four. Right. Well, and for a long time, it was just poor Andy all alone. <laughs> Picking on Andy. <laughs> so if oh. you want to quadruple our black belt patron right? list. Just keep adding them on, guys. Yep. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm, I'm pumped about Bjorn Bjornsson. Yeah, because it, if if this is your first time listening to the show, we mention him a lot, and I, he sends us um, very long email, well thought yeah. out, well, very, very well, well thought, thought out. out, very much appreciated, long, thoughtful things, emails on on all things. And that, honestly, he keeps us in check a little. He really does. So. <laughs> Hey, you guys had too many beers. He's going to tell us like, why yep, we did. the auto siphons aren't included in some of those kits. Oh, he yeah, and he's going to have a really good point about it, yeah, too. Yeah. He might. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. Uh, yeah, Brian, what have you been up to beer-related, man? Beer-related. I should have saved things. I just It's the summer. We're making a lot of Lemon Breaker. Oh, okay. Uh, definitely uh, had another uh, distributor approach us and uh, decided to sign with them, and that will... Kind of give us uh, a big piece of Minnesota that that we'd sort of been, you know, waiting on or or putting beer around it purposely, and then sort of kind of getting people to gain interest in the, in the brewery and, and what we have to offer. And we definitely got that deal inked uh, last week, I believe. So kind of neat to have another distributor uh, working with us as a partner. Um, 
Yeah. So here, uh, cheers to having the beer uh, right across the border in Minnesota now in Stillwater, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where where it, it wasn't for yeah. uh, you know almost three years. So yeah. Other than that, just drinking plenty of light beer and enjoying the summer. All right, Katie. Um, well, I, I I mentioned right before we 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 went on air that I I don't I don't tend to buy a ton of beer from um, places because I can you know get. Yeah, low fills and all have the as much free beer as we want at, and then also you know i i when i'm not at work i don't tend to drink a, a, a ton of beer i stick to uh, bourbon and and wine and things well, like that and but you and i kind of tend to not drink as much at home either yeah like yeah you know, i'm the same i don't keep actually i don't keep any we don't any really either at, at my well we have a 10 year old and a soon to be 16 year old and there are kids in our house all the time yeah. and I just kind of worry about that. Yeah. But shit. I did I did buy I was a, I live in in uptown Minneapolis and I I went to a a liquor store and I bought a uh six pack of Indeed Flavor Wave IPA. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the I mean it's it's a good beer. That's, I would have I would have purchased anyway, but it was only it had been packaged 2 days before I bought so it. Oh cool. wow. I love yeah. that. And you know, I I, I drink che- a lot of them, freshly you know, packaged for- beer. At, at Hop and Barrel, but I, I don't think I've ever gotten a, a beer brewed at another brewery that has been that fresh. And oh. it was, of course, super delicious. So it was fun to, you know, because sometimes you get you, you get a six pack of beer and it's like, oh, this beer is a couple months old or it's, you know, whatever. And, it, you know, the the shelf life um, shows when you drink it. So to be able oh. to drink a freshly packaged two day old beer. Um, yes, I have unfortunately been out there at bars and restaurants and had our beer and it was old, which then... Oh, we were talking about that uh, with uh, New Glarus Moonman. Yeah, on, was it Wednesday or Thursday? Mm-hmm. And how it's I either old, I, oh, old I beer. Been, or... I haven't been super impressed with this beer recently, um, and it 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 had nothing to do with the beer. It no. was the the tap line. Tap line drinking, quality. Drinking from assurance and yep. yeah, unfortunately. But yeah. uh, professionally, uh, October it's Oktoberfest season at the brewery. Woo! Yeah, we're, we're, oh, we're, yeah. we're prepping, planning, brewing Oktoberfests. When did um, I order the Oktoberfest yeast? Like July 1st? Yeah, oh, yeah. We, I mean, it's been, I think we got it just right around the week of July 4th. So. Yeah, the plan is to have yeah. the Oktoberfest in cans by August-ish. Yeah. And we're going to brew th- hopefully three times yeah, more than we did last year. Oh, wow. 90 barrels. Yeah, and, and that's a that's a balancing act because you, you want to have enough to... Um, you know, feed the masses. Well, nobody you wants it by the time the end of September rolls around. Yeah, if, right. you, if you have Oktoberfest still in cans and packages after about what the tenth of October, nobody wants keep Oktoberfest in October. Yeah. Well, this is Oktoberfest. <laughs> they want it, in but September, they want it in August. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's that's what we've been doing. It's yeah. fun. It's a great it's a great recipe. We, we you know this is the same recipe that that I wasn't as involved with last year, but we brewed it last year, and it's just. Well, it's a great beer. Solid recipe. And a lot yeah. of it has to do with the yeast strain. Yep, for sure. In my so. mind, but now which is uh L seventeen Imperial Organic. Yep. Huge fan of that Merits and yeast. That, is it the harvest? Is that the seat? I believe they call it harvest, but yeah. it's a it's a I don't know. It it's spelled M A R Z E N, so it looks like Marzen, but I believe with the umlaut over the A it's, it's Merits and Merits and Merits and so Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what I've been doing at the brewery. Awesome. Uh, let's see. I've been uh, spending oh. a lot of time up at Bobtown. Oh yeah. Yeah, I have. Uh, they're like Josh is pushing out some hazies that are really they, good. Yeah, hazies and sours. That's his Hazy thing. Hazies and sours. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think the past couple of weeks, um, there's been like an afternoon sitting on the back patio there, 
uh, which has no shade in the afternoon. None. And, <laughs> and there's, a, there's, a, there's a robin, too, that nests up there. I, don't, I remember that. There was always this robin that would find a little spot in the corner of that, that patio and, and nest. Yeah. I'm being nostalgic now. <laughs> <laughs> you should, uh, listeners should note that that's the, uh, the brew pub that Katie... Used to run the show. Yeah, I, oh. I was the uh, the the first the first brewer there. I, I actually kind of developed the the brew house or whatever, built the brew house. And it was like the home brewer like dream. Absolutely, it was. <laughs> fucking dream setup. Yep, yep. One barrel dream setup. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, and like, perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So been been going up there, uh, drinking some of that beer, and then. Other than that, yeah, just kind of hiding um, from stuff. Do you have a like, Do you have a favorite of of Bobtown beers? Oh, a favorite. Current. Well, now, oh, currently, okay. I, like, do do I like well, do no, I do no. I play to the audience? Do I? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. No, um, currently, uh, I can't. Like, I'm trying to remember the names now because he's kind of gone the Oliphant route with yes, the naming. Yes, he has. Um, and they don't make any sense. They're, I think it's, what is it, like a karate walrus or something? Okay, yeah. Um, and that one's really good. That's what it's called? Something like that. Oh. Is that a APA? Yeah, it's an APA. Yeah. It's a yeah. hazy APA. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that one was really good. And then he did a, what is like a, it was a strawberry uh, sour, I think. But he. Oh, like, that was a strawberry blonde? The strawberry blonde, yeah, yeah and he used a margarita mix or something did he? as the strawberry flavoring. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a so that the the blonde is a recipe that I had. The it was a screaming Lori Blondale, and he he's calling it Lori and Friends, and so he's doing the Blondale and then adding some fun, some fun. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, and I had actually I was there uh, about a week ago, and I had a sip of that strawberry Blondale. It was delicious. I really liked the food there. So oh, I they're like the burgers are so good. Go there. That what is I think the Bobtown Burger with the well. Head. It's because they don't fuck around with the, the meat. Butter. Is oh, is yeah. it's yeah. The, that fresh ground RJ's? I yeah. mean, it makes a world of difference. Yeah, yeah. The Bobtown is uh, pepper jack cheese, peanut butter, apple jelly, jalapenos, and bacon. Oh God, it's I mean, so come good. On. You'd think it wouldn't work, but it does. Oh, it Sports does. Walrus was the name. Sports, Sports Walrus. Sports okay. Walrus. Yeah. Hazy IPA. Uh, yeah, that was the one I enjoyed. All right. Uh, we should probably do our uh, show, huh? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Uh, oh, I right. forgot. So we are, we are, we are going back to the new IPA book. Basically every other week we, yes. we play brewing book club. We are and deep into this book, man. <laughs> it's a really good book. It's fantastic. There's some mind blowing stuff in every chapter. Yep. And this yes. book is called the new IPA. It is written by Scott Janish. And it, and, and it's, you know, it's, 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 IPA focused obviously and, and I think he focuses a lot on hazy IPAs yeah. but I really actually think that you know you take out the there's so much you could learn about hops across the board with styles mm-hmm. with this book well he's pulled together uh, a lot of studies that um, <sighs> at first glance seem kind of disparate yeah I mean. how to yeah how to put it it just it's just like oh well, that's cool it's another study about blank and it's like okay but it relates to this Suddenly, very popular. <clears throat> excuse me, style of beer, <coughs> uh, hazy beer. So yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So uh, today we're going to be going over flavor perceptions, which is always a tough thing to talk about because 
Like if you if you set the same beer down in front of three people, you're gonna get three different descriptors on mm-hmm. what it what it tastes like. Um, and then uh, we in the past we've done um, the thing where you you take like the vials of the off flavor or whatever yeah. pour it into a beer and taste it and even from that uh, you learn that some people are super perceptive to something some people can't really pick it up at all even at like super high concentrations yep. the best story I have is I had a friend that used to own a uh, brewery that did English style beer and there are some English styles that uh, diacetyl is acceptable in lower amounts and this gentleman could not at all perceive diacetyl uh, so it's kind of that funny cosmic joke and you know what Scott has put in here is two people tasting the same beer may report different flavor impressions and both would be right <laughs> yeah. yes which is really frustrating. Well, and he, and he quotes can uh, he quotes a 1980 study where they found that uh, for most flavor compounds, the most sensitive 10% has a threshold 20 times lower than the least sensitive 10%, mm-hmm. which is kind it's of insane. Remarkable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, when we're talking flavor, like it, it's all very uh, like it's it's hard to be super scientific about it because who knows what what one person's well, going to taste. And the other thing is 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 I I've I've noticed that you might pick up on the flavor, but it, you can't quite put a word to it. Yep, mm-hmm. that's and it, tough it's, too. It's you know it's it's like I'm I'm tasting something, but I just and it, and it reminds me of something. Um, well, there's you something s- about um, is it? I think it's Pilsner's. It has this flavor compound profile that I always get but I've never been able to like yeah it's nail a, a word to it but but think about it this way when you're doing those like beer food pairings how stuff tends to sort of like be cyclical in your mind yeah. or in your flavor the way it yeah. works I think I understand what you're saying with pilsners are so unique mm-hmm. and I think part of that is <clears throat> you know bread cracker um not toast, but then that lager character and how long that's been laid down to all yeah. sort of blends together, making a flavor that I personally can't describe. Yeah. And when I was, you know, 15 years ago, when I was a lot younger with like IPA, it was like I, I would come up with these words and they made sense to me, but they had no yeah. business being attached. What was the one I always used? Inky. Inky. Yeah. I used glassy. Yeah, yeah, and I don't so know what that means. That we, means nothing to anyone else. What the else. fuck does that mean? Uh, exactly. Yeah. So exactly. we, so, so we, 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 <laughs> we after are, tasting, you know, we do, you know, quality control, hop and barrel, our own we, personal lexicons. <laughs> we, you know, if you leave a, a hoppier beer out at room temperature for four months, to me, it starts to taste inky. It, t- mm-hmm. it tastes like if you if you were to smell a bic, just a bic ink pen, you know. Oh, yeah. And Brian, Brian is always said to me i don't, I don't understand oh, what that, that means what that means it tastes glassy to me and i'm just like what glassy inky Gla- See, and glassy when you say was... inky i immediately go to squid ink so like salty sea water uh, see yeah, yeah no. So just... yeah no so it's everybody has their own not only you know you might even be tasting the same thing but you how you describe it mm-hmm. you describe it two different ways you know it's tough but right. in any case this you know this is comprehensive 15-year study released in 1982. They're talking about how they found compounds of similar flavors tended to be additive, where uh, compounds of different flavors acted independently. So included in in general, most beer flavor compounds fit into an additive car- category, and uh, which means that although one compound exists below its threshold, combining it with another similar compound might ultimately decrease its 
actual threshold, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, oh, I do want to point out that we're going to be specifically talking about the flavor perceptions of hops, kind of. Oh, yeah, we should probably. Yeah, just I just yeah. this is a, as because as, especially once we started getting into grist and um, base malt and differences yeast and, stuff, and, and all yeast, the things yeah. Um, yeah. like all of those add flavors and stuff. But mm-hmm. we're talking about how they affect the, the hop profiles. Yep. Yeah. The book is called The New IPA. It's a scientific guide to hop aroma and flavor. So yep. if that gives you any indication. <laughs> all right. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so let's, I mean, I guess, yeah, let's let's talk about the grist role in, in hop flavor. Uh, this one, uh, we kind of had a little discussion on it um, on, the, on the car ride in, mm-hmm. uh, but basically we're looking at uh, um, the, the protein and the carbohydrate content of, of your grist in your final product and how that affects the, the, the flavor and aroma of, of the hops. So kind of getting into this, um, the, what? Well, I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way of like summarizing this, but so basically, if you have a high uh, like protein and carbohydrate, uh, like the the beta glucan uh, level, um, it's going to lock in certain flavors, so mm-hmm. they won't escape into the aroma, but they'll be there for the taste. Yep, flavor. Yeah, for the flavor. Um, but I mean, and so I guess when we're talking flavor, is that just like what you're tasting when you're drinking? Because aroma plays a big part of that it right? does but if you're if you're just sipping the beer out of a can and it's meant, meant like all beer is pretty much you know you should decant it i mean we're sitting here drinking cans of you're <laughs> sitting here beer. drinking but they're low low hop cans beer. of beer they're yeah. low hop yeah. and whatever so there's that like you know who cares we're drinking spotted cow like, yeah so from a flavor standpoint yeah there's there's much to be said about the way that aroma influences um yeah, it turns out you can't really smell beer very well out of the opening of a can. So well, if you want to, it's if such you want a big smell, opening. if you want to, it's a wide mouth. If you want to really experience an IPA, just pour it in a glass. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, no, and, and these, in these, um, these, some of the compounds. I, I thought it was interesting that they talked a lot about the the myrcene compound. Is that am I saying that right? Myrcene. I think so. And how it it just attached itself to these proteins. Yeah. And um, there, there, it, it's like to the point where, like, the headspace of the beer. So you know that when you open up a can, it, you couldn't find it in that headspace because it was just so attached to the to the proteins within right. the beer itself. That was interesting. Yeah, this oils tend to bond to to you know the uh, protein and carbohydrate. I think they say in here more of the carbohydrate though. Yeah, yeah, uh, the the high carbohydrates um, in hoppy beer will retain more of the volatile green, resinous, mm-hmm. like uh, hop hydrocarbons, yeah. um, and then uh, so you yeah you won't find it in the headspace. Your the, hydrocarbons are the ones that are extremely volatile, which means that they want to jump out of there. But in this case, they're sticking to it, and the hydrocarbon. Are, are your sesquiterpene, monoterpene, um, and that. And we're talking humulene, myrcene, pinene, uh, stuff like that. Um, these are, uh, like, pinene to me is more piney, or myrcene is probably more of that old school. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So I, I guess uh, an, a question I, I want to pose to you guys is, can you think of a of styles or um, reasons you would want to maybe um, reduce the amount of proteins and carbohydrates to release to volatile 
or to volatize those flavors so they're not there? I mean, I think in this, it's it's funny in in uh, hazy IPAs. I think that yeah. hazy IPAs, uh, in my opinion, shouldn't necessarily have a lot of that green resinous, dank hop character that um, is associated with some of these compounds that are are sticking to the the beta glucans. Yeah, and at the moment, the 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 breweries like ours that are, I mean, not we're not. We're not refusing to make hazy beer. I just, it, I don't, I think it's a fad and it's going to go away. And so the ones that are like us that are not wanting to do that chunky, gloppy look uh, are kind of choosing to refer to them more as juicy IPAs. Yeah. So I think henceforth, we, you know, we're, when we say hazy, we're, we're also more or less talking about juicy. Yeah. Uh, as far as us here in this studio goes. Okay. Um, and so I, uh, and I don't think it was this chapter. I think it, it was more when we were talking or when he talks about yeast. But so if you wanted to like, um, so when, when you add in, add in the hops, like once we're, we're all talking about fermentation here, right? Like it holding onto these in fermentation, not necessarily after the beer's finished. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he mentions he keeps uh, sacks of uh, what was maltodextrin, maltodextrin yeah. to uh, to back sweeten or to add in some of some of these things. Well, yeah, some of the things that are that are fermented out. Yep. So in a sense, like uh, we were just talking about this, Katie, like the the adding adding body back in almost essentially. Yeah, yeah, and 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 raising the gravity. So it is and it raising is, the gravity. It is essentially back sweetening the beer. It is back sweetening the beer is what you're it adding, is. You're adding if you're adding if you're if you're adding something that increases the final gravity of your beer, you're essentially adding sugar back into so, your beer. So but so you could have a a low protein um and carbohydrate grist and then you wouldn't hold on to those hop flavors yep. and then uh basically add body back in and then you're not gonna have that resiny character in your hazy IPA, yeah. right? And then the the only other way to do that is to to age the IPA, which is not not what you want. What you want to do? No, no. <laughs> so I guess to, like, I mean just to, to simply to make those. I can't remember. I should have. I have underlined it somewhere, but. Oh, yeah, it, uh, this is way, way far ahead, but some of these harsh green characteristics may settle out over extended cold conditioning. Uh, as we saying on page 87 here, the increase in the, it had to do with the increasing of the pitch, which we'll get to. So, I mean, but like, like that, that kind of flips something on, on the, on, on its head for me because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always thinking like I need to have everything that's in my beer needs to be in the mash tun. And needs to go through that way as far as body goes yeah. and stuff like that. But now, like reading this, it's okay. So maybe I am like brewing a, you know, like modifying out those proteins and stuff, doing a protein rest to break those down. Um, so we don't hold on to the green uh, resiny flavors in the hops and we just get those fruity flavors um, and then adding body back in after fermentation. Right. Yeah, because there there are a multitude of these hazy or juicy beers that you you'll drink, and it's like, well, where's yeah, it's nice and chunky, but where's the body? And yep. it happens all the time. Yeah, um, and you know, and unfortunately, also you know, with with these hazy IPAs, is you also 
you know, doing a protein rest to drop out those proteins then thins out the body. Yeah. You know, you want this thicker. My, my concern with adding, uh, things after boil, uh, you know, like maltodextrin is, you know, what about like, like sanitation and, well, I mean, yeah, it's like you're adding, adding, yeah, you're adding, um, it's a powdery substance, so you're, you know, I suppose you'd have to... Go on a surface to, area. You know, you'd have to... Well, it's got to get mixed somehow, too. You could probably yeah. probably got to blast some CO2 into so the bottom and... Yeah, so then you're... Introduce it. You're boiling... And, you know, this is all worth it if the beer is great, but so you're boiling maltodextrin post-ferment. You're hauling that up, the, you know, at least on a commercial standpoint. Mm-hmm. But as a homebrewer, it's a little bit easier. But you're going to want to figure figure out a way to sterilize that a little bit, in my opinion. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to end up having a right bottle bombs and you know whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's just yeah. It's, it's just it's interesting to think about. But yeah. No. It's it's a lot of work. And so, um, yeah. So um, grains with uh, more beta glucans uh, would be um, what Brian always talks about. Chip malt. That's <laughs> yep. uh, it's definitely uh, one. Carapils is another one. Um, yeah, so that like, and so I guess I, I, I'm trying to figure out what the takeaway here, and I don't know if there really is just a single takeaway from, from this grist discussion. No, this is, um, or if it's just like, here's the information, yeah. what do we want to do with this it? There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of, <laughs> I mean, what, I, I what, guess, what did I we guess... say in the end? Like th- this is, there's a lot of balancing here. Like you could do this, but yeah. then this is going to happen. Well, and, and he said in the, he's, he said in the book, you know, adding 10% chit malt to your, to your grist, your grain bill is a good starting point. It is. And then um, was that the replacement for oats? Because we're uh, talking the difference of 20 millilitres per, milliliters per gram versus yeah. 400 or sorry, yeah, 20 milligrams per liter versus, versus 400. Yeah. And that was that was I think just a strictly an, an oat discussion. Oh uh, um, yeah, and then so then what was the solution to 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 add uh, like malted I, oats? But having oh, yeah. fewer have having fewer beta glucans will release more volatiles, which is what you want. Right. You don't want them sticking in the body. You want them up into the headspace, which is part of what this study was saying. Is that this stuff won't go into the headspace. So you know, I got you guys sticking your heads back in the book again. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, it's... <laughs> well, for, that's just for, it. It's for like, like a four-page chapter. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, so it's, 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 you know, the idea is if you're looking for a hazy IPA uh, solutions is decreasing the amount of proteins in the in the wort that you're pitching yeast into and the, the hops are, are doing their thing into and then adding, you know, something like a maltodextrose back in. I mean that I guess would be a good starting. If I was if I was like I want to do a really great hazy IPA as a home brewer, that's probably where I would start. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and then so that's that's that rabbit hole. Yep. <laughs> um, let's go into the next one. Base malt. Yeah. This uh, is... Something oh my that. Gosh. <laughs> I was like, oh great, another thing I have to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> so he looks at, you know, however many, several different. Base malts, and the main takeaway here is not all base malts are equal when it comes to flavor implications. So, one and of these the, are these are these base malts? Are these um, just to clarify? Uh, are they? They're all varieties. Barley varieties, like like uh, species of 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 Turo, or are I, they? I think are they I think brand so. name? Yeah, that's what I thought too. Because I, I recognize like the Meredith and Metcalf; those are all 
species of, yeah. of barley. Yeah. So I would assume it's all these, but you know, and it depends on where you source your two row from, but it's, you know, one test found that a two row called in, in the, based on the research done in this book is that a, a two row called full pint, uh, created more fruity flavors than five other tested base malts. Um, there is so much science behind that. And, and yeah, it's basically looking at the micronutrients it, right. in the, in the grain. Um, but I, I loved, I loved like the, the opening paragraph here where he's like, more thought is generally put into a 3% crystal malt choice yeah. than something that makes up the other 97% the entirety of the beer. Should we use crystal 40 or crystal 60 for that 3%? 40. What are we going to use for base? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Breeze 2 well, row. What about crystal 10 or caramel 10 or whatever? Yeah, we've... Yeah, well, I, won't I get, get it though. That, I mean, but. I mean, we, you know, at at Hop, we we have we don't use the same base pale ale malt for all of our recipes. We have one we have one company that we do you know this beer with. We have another company that we do this beer. We have you know we have kind of a a, a house pilsners that that we use, but we don't necessarily use it for all of our beers. And that has or, changed you know, over the years because we've seen what different base malts do you know and then you know i mean some of it's like this one's a a few pennies less a bag and you get more bang for your buck and it tastes the same as this other well and sometimes it's this one is a few pennies more but the customer service people are a lot more pleasant much better easier to deal with no i'm not kidding like i'm i'm sorry yeah once you are get out of the home brewing and into the pro brewing it's it yeah it's about that Mm mm-hmm the, the rep stops by from this company and tells us about new products. The rep from this really, really big company has called us once in three years. Has called us once in three years, and it's just yeah. like, well, um, yeah. So there's all, but but it, but you know, point being is is not all base molds are the same, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it would be nice for any brewer to say, well, I'm going to use X company pale ale malt for all my beers that I want pale ale malt to be, and I'm going to use this pilsner from this company for all my pilsners, but it, they're, they're not the same malt. And yeah. depending on what you are looking for in that specific beer, that specific style, you're going to want to consider other base malts. Yeah. Sure. I mean, you know, it, what it just boils down to is it's a balancing act and an, and an experimentation piece, you know, and, yeah. and that's it. Yep. And I really like that about, um, you know, I've, I've visited other breweries and talked to other brewers and they say, well, we use, we use this brand of malt and we just change the, whether it's Pilsner Pale or Two Row, based on the beer, and and it's really nice to be able to work work somewhere where that isn't the defining um, characteristic of the beer is isn't a brand name. It's it's other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So that's base malt because that's a whole other can of worms. Now oh, let's man. talk about yeah. yeast pitching rates. <laughs> oh boy. And, and you know, and, and even I really uh, like this section. This section was good, but my... this is another like this sounds real possible and easy on a homebrew scale, but uh, on a commercial scale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeast pitch rate can affect your final like we we know that yeast pitching rate affects a lot of things we did an entire series on yeast um and how how it affects different flavors but it can also affect how well you know what what your hops are doing and what and what flavors are going to stick around and stuff like that um yeah i mean i'm not sure where to start on this one somebody want to Oh, sure. I think I think the takeaway that I got from this section, which is 
it's about two what two and a half pages maybe of, of this book mm-hmm. is um, over pitching is probably a better idea for hazy IPAs than under pitching. The hops tend to the flavors the flavor compounds that you are looking for in a beer uh, where you want the hops to really pop and shine is pitching at least um, the you know the the amount that they recommend or higher and not lower. Right. And then, you know, this basically it's like the more yeast, the more uptake of whatever is up, up taken. So like your mercine will decrease depending on yeast cell counts and only traces of it remain after the highest counts. Um, Yeah. And they do say that, you know, increased pitch rates um, uh, or or, I'm sorry, uh, keep, you know, Normal to lower pitch rates will uh, help your beer maintain some some of the more green and resinous co- resinous compounds that you're you would have in an yep. IP era beer. So if you're looking for a, you know, in my opinion, kind of an old school IPA with lot lots of that resinous hop character, then you know don't over pitch it necessarily. Right, but yeah, they're they're saying um, so. In some cases, it's like, you know, the Mercine decreased, but Linalool did not. Uh, why Mercine's not as polar as linalool. So isn't as likely to be influenced, which then that gets us down the rabbit hole of the polarity of the oil, mm. the various oil contents. Um, but, you know, I mean, we can kind of think of high yeast counts as a potential way to lower the final concentrations of non-polar hop hydrocarbons specifically. Uh, so if you're looking at this book, there's a really cool chart. Um and those are the things that we don't want in a hazy IPA, right? Because those are going to be your your astringent, your 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 palate stripping flavors. If you yes, will. yep. Um, I did enjoy um, like his his little aside uh, towards the end of this, where he re- he says, "I don't recommend over pitching at a commercial level," <laughs> but uh, then he mentions um, rousing the dry hop with CO two. Yeah, and how that could potentially be throwing yeast back in to it do its thing. Would, yeah, uh, and this is this is wavering more. So, oh. so, and then in my opinion, is that is is rousing up your yeast to put it back in solution, essentially equivalent to over pitching. Uh, it's, I, yeah, I don't know. May, that's what I was going to allude to. Is that maybe oh, yeah. that's more of a thing to talk about on a commercial scale? And yeah, maybe it. I mean, it does. It'll get stuff back into the solution. Um, and maybe the yeast will absorb or not absorb more stuff. Um, and yeah, so does it promote more ester production? Then? Yeah. Probably. Pro- probably, because, I mean, we know we all know what hop creep is. We all know that it's metabolization post-fermentation, so I don't know. Um, yeah, this is a tough, a t- <laughs> as usual, a tough chapter, but key findings, high-protein and carbohydrate beer had more intense dry hop flavor. In the test, so mercine was the measured compound. High carb, high carbohydrates like beta glucans and protein concentrations in hoppy beer may help retain more of the volatile green, resinous, herby, woody hydrocarbons. Um, unmalted and un- undermodified grains have more beta glucans than malted. Not all base malts are equal, uh, which we probably already knew. And then experimenting with different yeast pitching rates might be a way to dial in your desired flavor. Um, some key takeaways yeah yeah no, another just great chapter yeah. that yeah. we're all gonna you know scratch our heads a little bit about uh, for a while 
This this is a book. I mean, I I have honestly probably th- maybe three homebrew books that I am I feel like are just essential tools to making better beer. Um, and we've talked. I think I've probably mentioned all of them on on air at some point. But this is this is added to that list for sure. This new oh, a hundred percent. It's just fantastic. Uh, yeah, I feel like going through this one, and we've been going kind of slow, like you know, a chapter every other week or whatever. But um, going through this one, uh, we've we've done the the malt yeast and hop books in less time. Like, I know. Well, this is this is the most dense. Yeah, I think this is the yeah. most dense. And you know, yeah. these like this. <laughs> we we talked about three. this. This was chapter. Was it chapter five? Seven? five. Chapter five, <laughs> and it's literally like five and a half pages. Five and a half pages. <laughs> and I could reread it sixteen times and still not get all the information. Yeah, yeah. So a tough time with it today. All righty. Well, let's uh, let's get out of here, huh? Yes. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in this week. And again, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnerdstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnerdstudios. Or follow us on Twitter at blindnerdscoreninja. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace. See ya. See ya.